0: just to read the Scriptures together. And I want to think about the Great Commission tonight. It says in verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And we trust the Lord will bless the reading of his precious word. And again, just to say how thankful we are to each of the ladies who shared their experiences tonight, grateful that we as a church could be behind them, that we could support them both in prayer and financially, But you might be tempted to say, well, what was the point, Pastor? We spent all that money, and the ladies spent some of their own money, and we put in all that effort, and they traveled thousands of miles away. Uh, To what end? Was it really worth it? Well, I believe it was worth it. Uh, For a start, it uh, cost the the Lord Jesus a lot more to come to earth uh, for us than it did for us to send those ladies to Kenya. And uh, certainly the distance he came was far greater than the distance they went. Uh, But the 33 children trusted the Lord Jesus as their Savior was really the miraculous thing in that particular trip. It was wonderful that we could provide clothing uh, for the children in the orphanage. It's wonderful that we were able to help in other ways. But here's the thing, 33 children had their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life during those two weeks. And that in itself was worth our time and effort in sending these ladies out uh, into this part of the world. So essentially, Uh, They and we as a church played our own small part in obeying the Great Commission and fulfilling the Great Commission. (coughs) Excuse me. The Great Commission was Jesus' final command to his disciples before he ascended into the heavens. And it's a command that is given in all four of the Gospels. And it shows something of the heart of the Lord for this world and if you're not a Christian it shows something of the heart of the Lord for you. You know, here's a command that's given to the church in each of the accounts of the Lord's life, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and then it's summarized ultimately in the book of Acts as the church is birthed. And that repetition tells us something of the import in the mind of God and the mission of the church concerning the Great Commission. So the church doesn't exist. To meet social needs primarily. We certainly don't exist to entertain people. We don't meet even to, uh, we don't exist to meet physical needs or mental needs. Uh, But uh, some of those things may well be byproducts of the ministry and of the gospel. But that's not our primary purpose. The Bible tells us that the chief purpose of Christ's coming into the world was to save sinners. That's why the Lord Jesus came. He came to save sinners. Now, the world may not value that. The uh, liberal Christian may not think much of that, but that's the clear teaching of the Word of God. So I, for one, am thankful for the ladies who uh, took part in this particular project, who took up their time and went out on our behalf to a land many miles from home, to a culture very different from ours, to a people who are very different uh, from us, and yet they brought the gospel and they made a difference to young lives. And we appreciate that and thank the Lord... That. But I want to think about the Great Commission uh, tonight. And, uh, you know, that will do us some good as believers, but it might do you even some good tonight if you're not a believer, uh, if you're not a Christian, to see how the Lord considered you in His plans and in His purposes. And here in Matthew's Gospel, we have the first reference to the Great Commission. Now, you have to understand that every Gospel writer was writing to a different audience. Each one had a different purpose, a different people in view. And Matthew is writing. To the Jews. And he wants them to know that their promised Messiah has come, that he is the king of the Jews. And now that was not something new to them. They understood that a king was coming, they were anticipating a king uh, coming. In fact, they were looking for this king uh, to come, but they didn't realize that Jesus Christ was and is their king. And in the end, they rejected him, and uh, along with the Romans, they nailed him to a cross. And John puts it this way, he came on to his own, and his own received him not. Now, that was a spiritual tragedy, because for 2,000 years prior to this, indeed, from the beginning of time, man had been promised a savior, and Israel had been promised a deliverer for their nation. God had spoken through their prophets. God had spoken through their scriptures. God had given them certain promises. He had preserved those promises in his word. If anyone ought to have accepted Christ as their Savior, the Jewish people should have accepted Christ as their Savior. But instead they hated him and they cried at the end of his life, we will not have this man to reign over us. Now, there was a consequence for that. There's always a consequence when people reject Christ. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, there's a consequence to you for rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. And for the Jewish people, the consequence was in part that God would move his focus away from the nation of Israel temporarily and from the Jewish people and place his focus onto the nations of the world. And so Matthew As he relays the Great Commission, puts it this way, Go ye therefore and teach, listen to his wording now, all nations. He says this is not about Israel anymore. This is not about the Jewish people anymore. This is about all nations. This is about every country. This is everywhere. No longer is this message of God's, the monopoly of Israel. No longer is it good news just for the Jewish people to hear. But it is good news for every nation. To Kenya, to Nigeria, to Romania, Bolivia, Estonia, uh, to Australia, to Saudi Arabia, to every nation the world over. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. This is good news for our nation. It's good news for you, and it's good news for me because the Great Commission not only applies to us as a people group nationally, but to us as individuals. Look at Mark 16, if you will. In Mark 16, when we see the second reference in Scripture to the Great Commission. And I want you to notice the difference in emphasis. Mark 16 and verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved but he that believeth not shall be dumb. Now notice the emphasis here is slightly different. Mark is uh, teaching and and addressing an entirely different people group. He's not speaking to the nation of Israel. He's writing to the Romans, and uh, the Romans are Gentiles. They're not Jews. They have no background knowledge of Christ. They have no knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures. And when they were listening to something, they were about like myself. I think I must have Roman blood in me. They wanted you just to get to the point. They just want to know what the bottom line is. You know, just get to the point. What have you got to say? And uh, they weren't concerned about the nitty gritty and the the detail. They wanted to get to the heart of the matter. And so Mark is presenting Jesus to them, not as the king of the Jews, because that would have no relevance to them particularly, but as the servant of the Lord, as the one who had come to serve and to save. And so because the Romans liked things to be rather matter of fact, the gospel of Mark is the shortest of the Gospels. Mark doesn't beat about the bush. He gets straight to the point. In fact, one of his favorite words is immediately. And he keeps saying immediately this happened and immediately that happened. And so he wants them to know that that the Gospel, which was to go to all the nations, has now to be applied to every man individually. Go ye into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature, to every single creature. Individual. So whilst Matthew emphasized the national, Mark emphasized the individual and the personal. And he wants you to know that it's not just for every nation, that God isn't dealing with people as people groups. He's dealing with us as individuals. He's the personal God. And he's letting us know that the offer of salvation is to you, no matter what. It's no matter what your background, no matter what your standing, no matter what your skin color. I love that little girl. I can't remember her name, the little, Anna, was that, what you say her name, was the. Ruth singing that song, uh, you know, reminding us that the gospel was for everybody, no matter what your skin color and no matter where you're from. And what a wonderful truth that is. The good news is for you, no matter what your skin color, no matter where you're from, no matter what your sin, no matter how, how sophisticated your sin may be, or indeed how luxurious your life may be, the good news is for you. Jesus come and he's gave his life a ransom for you and paid your sin Debt and mice in debt and offers us all individually and personally salvation. You see, I love this. In God's great plan, everybody counts. Everybody counts. Everybody's counted in. Everybody's considered. Everybody matters. Not just certain people. Not just the so called elect. Not just black lives. Not just Protestants or not just Catholics. Everybody matters to God. Not just Jewish people, but Gentile people. And that includes you. And that includes me. So, so that Paul writing to the Romans in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. And remember Mark's writing this gospel to the Romans. Paul says, uh, says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He says it comes down to that. Whosoever, anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord. Shall be saved. It's a whosoever opportunity, and it's for all who will believe it. Now I want you to turn to the gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 24, and we come to the third mention of the Great Commission. Luke's gospel chapter 24 and uh, verse 46. Here, the Lord gives this commission again, and, does, and Luke records it, and he says, And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. Now, who's Luke writing to you? He's not writing to the Jews. He's not writing to the Romans. He's writing to the Greeks, the philosophizing society. And Greeks were sticklers for details. Greeks liked to get into the small print of every argument. They were the very opposite of the Romans. And this explains why when God chose someone to write a gospel to the Greeks, He chose a medical professional. He chose a doctor by the name of Luke, a man who was careful and thorough in his examination. I would have liked Luke to be my GP because here was a man who was looking at every detail and considering the whole thing holistically. And that's why Luke's gospel is actually the longest of the gospels. And Luke wanted his readership to know that Jesus wasn't just the Son of God, but he was also the Son of Man. Now the common understanding of those titles are that the Son of God means that he was God, that he was deity, and the Son of Man means that he was human, that he was mankind, and all of that is true. But the title Son of God means far more than the idea that Jesus was a man. Uh, you know that I, that title is not limited to his humanity because it's a title drawn from Old Testament theology in which the Son of Man is viewed not as a man, not just as any man, but as an exalted figure. Daniel chapter 7 says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days, and they brought him near before him, and there was given him—now listen to what was given to the Son of Man—dominion and glory and a kingdom, and that all people, nations, and languages should serve him, and his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed— So Luke wants these Greek people who are soaked in philosophy, soaked in the minutiae of argument, to see the depth of the person of Christ and to understand that he's not just a man, but he is God's man, highly exalted. And when it comes to the Great Commission, Luke wants to explain now not only is the gospel to go out to all the nations, Not only is it a matter for every individual, but he wants them to understand how it's applied. And so he speaks about repentance and remission of sins being preached in the Savior's name among all the nations. That is, a person has to admit their wrong. And we must see ourselves as God sees us. Not as we might like to think of ourselves, but as God reveals us to be rebellious and resistant to his truth. Tim Keller once said this, here's the gospel, you're more sinful than you ever dared believe and you're more loved than you ever dared hope. I love that little phrase. You're more sinful than you ever dared believe and you're more loved than you ever dared hope. And So there has to be within us a change, repentance. A change of mind, a change of outlook, a change of direction. That's what repentance is. And that's the emphasis of the Great Commission under Luke. Then I want you to go with me to the Gospel of John, finally, and chapter 20. The Gospel of John and chapter 20 and verses 19 through 22 of this Gospel, where we have the fourth repetition of the Great Commission. John's Gospel, chapter 20 and verse 19, it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the door was shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Here comes the commission. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Now, John is not writing to the Jews. He's not writing to Israel. He's not writing to the Romans. He's not writing to the Greeks. He's writing to the whole world. That's why we have that great verse right in the beginning of this gospel, for God so loved the world. John has a message for the whole world. Can you imagine sitting down and writing a message for the whole world? And imagine there are just 11 of you. And Jesus comes, the resurrected Christ comes, and he tells you that he is putting it on your shoulders. It becomes your responsibility to share with everyone in the entire world the good news of his death, burial, and resurrection for the salvation of men. You know, you could well understand them recoiling at that, that his disciples would have thought, well, you know, we're just not up to the task. This was not the days of Boeing 747s. This wasn't a day of travel that that came easily. You know, our ladies got out to Kenya. I think Hazel or one of the ladies said about how lengthy the journey was. And it was a lengthy journey by modern standards. But by ancient standards, that journey would have taken a much longer time and so you can imagine these uh, poor disciples somewhat shell-shocked after the events of the crucifixion and now uh, absolutely joyous uh, at the resurrection of the Lord being told now that they have to go into all the world and bring the gospel to every key creature. And you can well imagine them not feeling up to that task. But notice Jesus makes them a promise and he does something in verse 22. It says, He breathed unto them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. You know, by extension, he's making this promise to his disciples, to everyone who believes, that you go, first of all, in the Father's authority. And second of all, you go in the power of the Holy Ghost. And here's the truth of the Great Commission. The Great Commission is for all nations. It's for every single person. It's for anyone who will repent of their sins and believe for the forgiveness of their sins. And when you do that, God, God gifts you with the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God comes and indwells you and empowers you and enables you to fulfill God's will for your life. And that's the joy of being a Christian. You see, there's some people who are not Christians and they say, well, I would be a Christian, but I could never live up to it. Do you know what? If everybody took that attitude, nobody would ever be a Christian. But thank God Jesus didn't leave us alone. He said, I'm sending you the comforter. I'm sending you the Holy Ghost who will be in you, who will help you, and who will indeed empower you to fulfill my purposes. Here's the good news of the gospel. Christ came, died, was buried, rose again the third day. All who repent of their sins and believe in him find forgiveness of sin and are gifted with the Holy Spirit within to serve him in a way that was never before possible. And all of this is summarized one last time by Luke once more as he opens the history book of the Bible, the book of Acts. And he says this as he writes that record. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. This is the, the words of the Lord. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You know, friends, the gospel is for everyone, everywhere. It's for everyone, everywhere. It's to the people in Kenya, yes, but it's also to the people in Northern Ireland. It's to the children of the city of Nakuru, which we never heard of to this point, but it's also to the children of the village of, of points pass here to you who are seated here this evening this message comes and you are included in just a few weeks ago these dear women of ours along with some other ladies brought the gospel to Kenya and 33 people were saved you may say well they were just children children are people Children, count. 33 people were saved. That's wonderful. It would be equally wonderful if just one person was saved in this meeting tonight. Jesus is for everyone. And that includes you. And the good news of the gospel is for you, just as much as it is for anybody else. May God bless these thoughts to your hearts this evening.